Lions SC remain the kings of the MPL jungle here in Queensland. They took out the 2021 MPL Queensland Grand Final on Saturday night, making it back-to-back titles for the Richlands Club and three in four years since their introduction into the MPL Queensland. Welcome to another edition of the Brisbane Football Review's MPL Sunday Show. It's Scott and Adam with you as usual. Adam, have you managed to recover after last night? I have, though. I'm a little bit miffed that we, are, we missed out on the uh, South East Queensland FC me, uh, Media Personality of the Year Award. Uh, I don't know what we did wrong to them. Well, maybe it's for the club. I don't know. But anyway, uh, as far as the grand final goes, um, yeah, look, uh, it was a great night, a great spectacle out at um, out at Perry Park. I parked at Perry last night. My, my manners. And, uh, and yeah, look, I think it was a uh, deserving finale, at least for the league season stuff. It was, and a shout-out to our good friends at SEQ Football and all the stuff they do as well. It was a 3-1 win for Lions FC in the grand final. Overall, a bit for the second year running. As mentioned, it was a pretty even match in the first half, Adam, before a goal from Alex Fechner five minutes into the second half gave Lions the lead. Costa Saros got a goal back for Olympic just before the hour mark, and then two late goals again from Alex Fechner and James Beatty secured the title for Lions. But just in general, this was a, an absolutely cracking game of football, wasn't it? It was, and like I said, a fitting finale to to what has been a great season. And uh, yeah, look, uh, Lions uh, in big games, they seem to always come out trumps in in most regards, and they didn't disappoint last night. Uh, I, I don't think uh, many people gave them much hope. I think as far as far as you know, sort of favoritism go, I think a lot of people thought you know it might have been Olympics uh, year to finally break through, but uh, you know, all that side in the ninety minutes, it was Lions that you know prevailed, but. Look, it was a hell of a game. It was. No, that was the prevailing wisdom. Also, everyone you seem to speak to you think thought it was going to be Olympics time, which did give me a little bit of trepidation, thinking this is kind of what people thought last year. And, and big game lines, as you referred to, turned up like that night and put in a typically really solid performance. And this was, again, the same last night. It's the third time these two sides have played in four years in the grand final. Last year's was probably a little bit flat and maybe marred a bit by some refereeing decisions. The first one was was a good game, but this one was the best by mile, wasn't it, between the two that the, the grandfathers played between these two sides. This was the one of the highest quality. Yeah, look, it was, um, it was, it was a great game of football. Uh, plenty of drama, um, a lot of good skill on show. Both teams, you know, wanting to win. Um, and, and, and yeah, look, it, it was it was conducive to uh, some great football and some great memories. Maybe some sort of heartbreaking more than and others, especially for the red and white side of the equation. But, uh, yeah, look, uh, I keep on coming back. It was a fitting grand final. It was. We'll talk more about it in just a moment in a bit of detail. But first, let's hear from the victorious coach, Darren Simon, who picked up the grand final last night. Let's see what he had to say after the win last night over Olympic FC. We're talking about the coach of Lions, Darren Simon. Darren, congratulations once again the grand final champions. Your thoughts on that match as a whole? It was a really tight match in the first half, but it really opened up in the second, didn't it? It did, yeah. Once fatigue sat in, um, it certainly uh, the gap started to open. They were a little bit more direct, caused us uh, some some trouble. But I think in the first half, you're right. I, you know, we, we came out and looked quite strong. I thought we, um, you know, had large parts of the game in the first half. We didn't execute as cleanly as we probably should have. But there was an intent there from the first minute from us um, that, as a coach. It was very satisfying to watch. What is it about Lions and Olympic and Grand Force seems to bring out this kind of drama? Because it seems to be every time you play each other, something crazy happens and it's that way again. Listen, they're a, they're a good side. They're a, they're a quality side and they demand their opponents to, to raise their standards. So, you know, we, um, 
it was always going to be a, a close game. I, I think I don't know if a 3-1 result was was indicative, but I'll certainly take it. Yeah. Did you feel like they were getting on top then after they got their equaliser before you got the important goal 15 minutes ago? Yes, I think they were. Uh, you know, I think we we started to look a little bit fatigued. Um, we were turning it over far too cheaply. Um, and again, you give a team like that possession quite easily, they will hurt you. So, uh, you know, the goal came at it was a fantastic strike. You know, I don't, I don't often get up and celebrate goals, but I was certainly off my seat with that one. And with good reason, it was a great strike. Just finally, Darren, it's been another really difficult year with the way the season's gone, but it must be so satisfying to be able to, to finish it off once again and to go back to back as well. The first side to be able to go back to back. Does that make it extra satisfying? Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's a long off-season when you don't have something to show for it. So we're uh, this will certainly set us up again nicely for next year. Um, but I really don't want to think about that at the moment. <laughs> Plenty of celebrations to you. Three out of four is not bad. Congratulations and enjoy the off-season. Thank you. Thanks for your support throughout the year. So that's what Darren Simon had to say there after the win in the grand final. So congratulations to Darren and Lions. And Thank you to Darren for the time you spent talking to us over the course of the regular season and in the finals. We'll talk about the game itself now. Adam, both sides went in with unchanged lineups from their semi-finals, which I think was pretty much expected. And it was a very cagey first half, wasn't it? Both sides had a couple of half chances, but it was very similar to, the, to their game late in the regular season, wasn't it? Where it was very, very tight and you could just sense it was going to open up at some point, but the first half was very cagey. Yeah, look, um, it, was, it gave off signs, obviously, that um, there was a bit of trepidation as far as, you know, not wanting to sort of, you know, give up the advantage or rather than sort of, you know, sort of trying to press home one. But both teams did try sort of um, and open up the game. But, uh, yeah, I think both defences, was a real, you know, stalemate in midfield that every time that uh, one team sort of tried to attack, the defence was pretty much shut it down. And you probably had the two best defences in the league going at it. And, uh, and yeah, there wasn't much uh, opportunity there to um, to strike. Absolutely, there wasn't. It was, there was only a couple of half chances in the first half, but the best chance, actually, it did go in. It was a, a ruled-out goal for Dan Leck for a handball from Jack Glover. You probably had a better view than I did, Adam. You just looked at the replay. It was pretty clear that that was a correct decision. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it was yeah, one of those ones where, you know, Jack Glover's tried to um, to head it head it down. So you know, he was he was in the uh, penalty area and just he just clipped uh, his extended arm out. You know, Dan Lick was there on the spot to 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 uh, to hit it home. But uh, yeah, now the referee referees that keen. He was on the spot. Uh, the linesman also picked it up. And yeah, look, it was a correct decision. Uh, but although it had sort of an eerie sort of sense of you know deja vu for Olympic again. Where they were first on the score sheet, they thought they were, but um, but it got chalked off, which is what happened last year. Absolutely, a little bit of deja vu there for Olympic, and it was it was even at halftime. And we'll move to the second half now because that's where the majority of the drama happened. And just a couple of minutes into the second half, and we were both scratching our heads at a double change made for Olympic between Brady and Dais going off for Cernak and Saras. We'll get to the impact that those two guys had in a minute. But that was quite a, that was a bit bizarre, wasn't it, to see. A double change you made three minutes into the second half. Yeah, considering the you know the rules of you know having the substitution windows as well, where had that um, had the substitution actually taken place right on half time, it wouldn't have actually counted. So, so yeah, to to bring to bring on fresh men just three minutes in, I'm. I'm not sure what uh, Ben Cowan was thinking there. It's a very, very bizarre one. I, I get the, the players, um, the personnel. Obviously, you know, two 
two like-for-like like attacking options, but just the timing of it. Um, I'm, not, I'm not sure if it's a case of that they were meant to come on at halftime, but they weren't They weren't ready for some reason, and uh, they're, they're pretty much the next opportunity they've actually come on. Or Yeah, that, that one, uh, it's, it's sort of a, a bit of a head-scratcher, that one. But uh, the, like I said, it was the timing of it more than anything. Absolutely. It was the two trump cards Olympic had available on their bench to bring on, and the timing of it seemed to backfire just a little bit with Alex Fechner's goal only about 90 seconds later. A really good finish on the near post there to beat to beat Hunter. I just put it across from a narrow angle. It wasn't a near post. It was to the far post from a narrow angle. But it was a great little ball through from Sean Carlos, I think, to set him up and a really good finish. Yeah, um, look, I think Alex Fechner, I think this is sort of the, the, the stage that he needs to really sort of, uh, step forward. Um, we'll talk about his second goal in a moment, but um, yeah, like I said, it's even most of the season that, you know, Max Binkler was you know, sort of the star of the show, you know, especially in our opinion, given that he won our um, player player of the year award, but Alex Fechner sort of, I've been, been there on the other wing and, you know, sort of, he sort of grafted away, but yeah, you know, in this final series, he's been the one player that's really in that attacking, in that attacking third that's really sort of stepped forward, you know, and, and sort of, you know, put his name up in lights and he sure did on the biggest stage uh, last night. He did, and he had a bigger moment which we'll, later on in the game, which we'll talk about. But firstly, we've got to talk about the um, the bounce back for Olympic because they did bounce back very, very strongly after conceding that goal. And the double change they did make paid off in the end with the Sarkisernik and Costa Saros combining for the goal initially to get the equaliser. A good, a good little flick on from Cernak from across to get and it finished at the back post beautifully by Saros for the equaliser. Adam, that was it. Seemed like at that moment Olympic might be able to go on with it, didn't it? Yeah, and like beautifully by player third, Saka Cernak. You know, when he came on uh, and playing in that number nine role, he he was superb last night. Probably, you know, a hark of a reminder that, you know, what, what a great player he has been. You know, obviously he's played for many A-League clubs and overseas, and he showed last night his experience. You know, it may not have been, he may have been, you know, a cameo player during the season, but is the big games where you expect players like Cernak to step up, and boy, he did. And that was just a clever, you know, knockdown from a header. And uh, the finish from Costa Saros is nothing to sneeze at as well. I gave Luke Borea no chance. You know, beat him, you know, beat him across across face of the far post. And uh, yeah, look, it was a deserving equaliser. And then after that, Olympics seemed to grab the impetus, and they looked like they were the ones more likely to, you know, to to then, you know, go go further ahead. They did, and there was actually that show players you mentioned had a big moment not long after. I think it was. Once again, a delightful flick from from Cernak in the center circle to see Saros through one on one with Borian. It was an unbelievable chance and a superb save from the feet by Borian. But you have to think if Olympic do manage to score that, perhaps we have a different outcome. What a what a big moment that proved to be. Yep, I, I think uh, that was that was the moment. I, I believe that you know I think Olympic, if they were going to go on and win it, uh, Saros had to bury it. But you know again, Luke Borian, you know one on one, he's he's he just proves. Year after year after year, why he's one of the best goalkeepers in this league, and uh, in big games like this, he always seems to have. You know, he has a bit of a wobbly moment, like he did in very early on in the first half. But you know, when it when it matters the most, he can almost count and you know just to come up with a big play, and that was you know a pivotal play in the makeshift of the game. Absolutely, he's a big game goalkeeper making in big moments. He proved it once again last night, even with that little mishap early on where his clearance. Oh. I think it was elected his clearance hit, and it went out for a uh, goal yes. kick. Yes, yep. it was like would have could have been a very different moment for him, but it was a typical boring at the end of the day. Now, 
as you mentioned, Alex Fekner did score two goals in this game, the second of which was the goal of the game, it's fair to say. Well, for me, it was anyway the goal of the game. A beautiful little dummy from Slawsno to let the ball run, and Fekner, a great finish into the top corner. I think we said in the press box last night, no goalkeeper's going to get to that. Certainly in this in the NPL, no goalkeeper's getting to it. it was, if it wasn't top corner, it was right there. It was an unbelievable bit of play to, to essentially win the grand final for, for Lions. I would go as far as say there's probably no keeper in this country and, and many other countries that wouldn't have got to that. It was just a brilliant strike uh, from Alex Fechner. You know, go go back and watch it. I'm sure Football Queensland will put it on their socials at some point. Uh, uh, but yeah, look, this if yeah, you want a goal to remember a grand final on. We and we we've seen some many great goals in grand finals. I I think immediately Dylan Wenzel Halls in the 2017 final, Michael Lee in the 2018 grand final. Um, there's some, been some great goals, but that's up there with them. That and to, for be the game winner. Um, yeah, what a, what a moment for this young player. And look, we've said for years that we thought that you know he was going to be one of the top players in in MPL, especially these days at Brisbane City. And uh, you know, playing for Lions, he really stepped up, um, stepped up to score a double, you know, in the grand final. And this this goal is just uh, is a spectacular goal. I can't I can't speak highly enough of how how you know how great a goal it was. Not only situationally, but just the visual of it. Absolutely, it was an absolutely unbelievable strike to see in person. He's had a great year for Lions to see Alex Fetner. We caught up with him after the game at Park Press. That's what he had to say after the two goals helped the Lions to see win the grand final on Saturday night. Oh, we talk about two goal hero Alex Fechner. Alex, player of the match in the grand final. Can't beat that, can you? No, you can't. It was awesome tonight. It was pretty tough there for a while, but once we got the first one, um, definitely gave us a bit of momentum. Then they obviously hit back, but getting another goal really settled us, and then we managed to just get over the line in the end, yeah. So the first goal is obviously really important, but can you talk to that second goal, the great strike in the top corner? <laughs> yeah, I just hit it and hoped, basically. I haven't scored one like that for a while, so it was good to do it at the most important time, so yeah. Absolutely, I think this is the reason why you made that move from Brisbane City to Lions, for moments like this, how would you sum up the experience of not just the grand final, but the season as a whole? It's been awesome, it's been such a welcoming environment great bunch of boys um, obviously it's been a bit tough with COVID and stuff this year but we really rallied once we had that last layoff and then we came in and we went on a run and then we managed to you know, keep it going all through the finals as well so it was awesome So that's a two goal hero Alex Fechner had to say after the game there on Saturday night Adam and despite the fact that the Lions took that two goals two goal to one lead Olympic continued to push forward didn't they? they had a couple of half chances but just wouldn't quite sit for them would it yeah, look, and they they really went they went really went all in as far as you know, trying to chase that equaliser. At one point, you had both Zach Anderson and Jack Love, the two obviously the biggest guys, you know, in in their side. The the you know, two defenders as well. Uh, they they were they were up in the front line, you know, playing. They were trying to play. Uh, Route one football. <laughs> what can you do at that stage of the game? You had to throw everyone forward. The only one that didn't get forward was uh, Lachlan Hunter. I think that's. Uh, that might be saying something, but uh, yeah, look, Olympic did have some chances to snatch a, a late equaliser, but uh, it just wasn't to be. But uh, I think as well that that amazing goal from Alex Fechner that would have really taken the um, the wind out of the sails because you go look back and think, wow, that's that's just a moment. Yeah, I think that would have been really deflating for the Olympic players, no doubt about that. The best chances they did have, I think, fell to Jack Glover and Alex Bowles, the two noted defenders, the best chances fallen to. You probably would have. They probably wouldn't be the two players you'd pick, it's fair to say, to have your best chances at 2-1 down in the grand final, but that's the way it fell for Olympic. And the game did end on a bit of a sour note, if you like. There was a, was it Daniel Leck, a pretty late challenge on Zach Maltby, who were late. 
and, for, and there was an all-in brawl after that with a bit of handbags and all the rest of it. I think Daniel Leck was ultimately shown the role. He was shown a red cup for that challenge, and there were a couple of yellows thrown out as well. It was a, wasn't the way you wanted to see. It had been a great game. That's not really the way you wanted it to end, was it? No, but I think it's, again it just showed what this this game mean, meant to um, to both sides, especially to Olympic. You know, obviously at that stage, staring down the barrel of four straight grand final losses, a lot of a lot of those players have been there for all four grand final losses as well. Look, it, it's it's not what you want to see. You know, Dan Lick pretty much trying to put uh, Zach Moppy into the front row of the uh, Bill Waddell stand, but uh, but yeah, look, it's it's hard. You don't you don't want to say. You don't want to say that, oh, that, yeah, you can understand because you don't want to condone that sort of action, but you can sort of, but you can understand, like, obviously it was disappointing. And then he'll, and he'll look back at it, you know, with regret that, you know, he probably sort of overstepped the mark, which, you know, then caused a bit of a, you know, at least a coming together of, of the sides. And then not, not the way you want to say, I thought, look, I, I got to, got to give credit to um, referee Zach Keenan, who I think is the best uh in, in the league at the at the moment, um, the way he handled that just you know, took the took the heat out of the situation. Didn't act rashly by trying to get in and showing red cards straight away. And, you know, talked it over with his assistants. And look, it yeah, did take it took took you know, maybe three or four minutes to settle down and you know issue the cards that need to be and the the sort of the warnings and whatnot. But I think yeah, you're right. It's not the best way to look, but I think yeah, circumstances um, in a way. You knew that there might be might be a flashpoint given all that had gone on and what was about to unfold. Absolutely, yeah, I think you're right. Zach Keane handled it really, really well. It was a pretty, pretty late challenge, a frustration look from Daniel. Like you could just see the way he made that effort to get it. It was an effort. It was an effort of absolute frustration at the way the game had gone. He just wanted to leave his mark in some way, and it was really well handled by Zach Keane. You're right. He let it all disperse. Spoke to his assistants, gave the red card, then brought each team over each captain over individually, had a chat to those two players, then brought over the players who were going to get the yellow cards, cooled it all right down. I think that was the way it needed to go because if they didn't handle it in that way, I think it would have been, the next couple of minutes would have just been a, a procession of big, strong challenge after strong challenge until until a red card was eventually shown. So I think it had to be handled in that way and it was, it was done really, really well. And it did allow Adam for a spectacular third goal to be scored late and it was the 99th minute in the end James Beatty caught caught Lachlan Hunt off his arm with a delightful chip and a really good finish to seal the grand final and great a great moment for a player who hasn't had a lot of game time this year but has shown quality when he has been on the field. Yeah, look, it's, uh, we we actually admittedly all missed it. Even the uh, MPL TV cameras uh, missed it. Uh, it was actually Simon Smile that was the one that actually pretty much, thank God he was watching uh, <laughs> watching the game because I think none of us None of us were because we were still uh, focusing on the free kick that um, that was given uh, to to Finn Beekhurst at the time, and uh, all of a sudden we saw the ball sailing into the back of the net, and uh, and yeah, look, it was a great moment. Obviously, uh, you know, big celebrations being the ninth minute of stoppage time, but yeah, look, three one, um, it, it was sort of almost tantamount to an empty net goal, you know, in ice hockey. That that sort of so, but uh, you know what, you're not going to take away the moment from James Beatty. Like I said, he's had a has sort of a troubled season with injury and whatnot, and uh, yeah. Look, it's a, it's a again a moment, a grand final moment for him. Absolutely, that's exactly what it was like. Really, it was it was like when you the last minute of a game in ice hockey, the goalkeeper and that, that goalkeeper is taken out, bring on the extra attack and completely go for it. I think, I think Lockie had to be a bit disappointed in his positioning, given it was a Lions free kick and he was, I think he was outside of his 18 yard box, so it was a pretty, pretty comfortable tip. It wasn't a wasn't a high degree of difficulty finish for James Bates. Let's put it that way. It was a pretty comfortable finish for him to. 
once you get it over the goalkeeper, you know it's going in. So it was pretty comfortable, but it did seal the win for Lions. As I mentioned, it is their third success. Sorry, third grand final in four years, back-to-back titles in the men's. It's also three out of four in the women's and four grand finals out of five this year. It's a heck of an achievement for that club, isn't it? Which When you, when you try and quantify, what do you think is more of a... They're both unbelievable achievements, but is it back-to-back grand finals or three out of four for you that is the biggest achievement? Uh, look, I think back-to-back uh, is one thing. Uh, I think, obviously, as well, especially the struggles they had during the during the regular season where they were down as low as seventh and they'll start questions that, you know, were they even going you know, to make the final? So to, to run, so to, to win, you know, nine straight to get them back into, into I think it was uh, I think 11 of the last 12 wins uh, or something like that, or 10 of the last 12, you know, to, to close the season, especially after the... Uh, pandemic the uh the lockdown i think that's probably you know where they where they came back came back you know and i think that's probably the great great achievement you know it's one thing to win win the title so the same goes for potential power and their and their premiership win it's one thing to go and win it the first time but to come back and defend it when you when you are the target i think that's even that's even bigger and while while i think it, it there's debate about what's more important the premiership or you know, the great or the grand final uh, i think you know, equally they're both you know, for both uh, both clubs and what they've achieved this season, I think are equally important. I think being back-to-back means that not only have you achieved it, but then you've now done defend it. And obviously, you know, the, the chase is on for, for you know, back-to-back-to-back. Absolutely. That may very well be the target from now, but it is so difficult to sustain success. You're absolutely right. And I think, I think we all kind of looked at the table midway through the thought Lions are in seventh, but they were only ever just over a game outside of the top four. It's not like, not like they were the 10 points out of it. They were never completely out of the picture. It just looked like it because of where they were on the table. And we've seen this before with Lions. They have, they have had seasons where they start the first half of the year slowly and then they get on a real run in the second half of the year. So once they got on that run, it was very clear they were going to be a massive player in the final series. It proved that way once again. It just, it's just the way that club is built, isn't it? That It doesn't seem to matter where they finish in the regular season if they're in the finals, you can never write them off because they've got that big game mentality. Absolutely, that, that's that's a credit to everyone at that club, you know. But like, so, and that, it's just not just uh, their men's pro, their men's senior program. Like, so you see it in the women's, even though they are a lot more dominant. But even more so, what's what's very, very interesting is that you know the wins at the I guess the the age the senior age levels the the eighteens the eighteens and both you know girl girls and boys you know they won the the under the under 23s they they got they missed out that was the, of the of the five senior grades that they didn't win it was the um the, the men's under 23s which they missed out on but four four out of five this season that shows that you know the as as the one club especially the seniors and I, i'm not sure how they did in the in the juniors but i would imagine that they would have been in up there in, in many of those as well but uh, yeah, look, it's a remarkable achievement as a club as a whole. It's something that they, as a club, you know, we spend a lot of time, you know, around them and you know, seeing, you know, how how they do things, and, and you know, we we obviously know a lot of people at the club, and you could tell it is all about you know one club, and that and that it is at the moment is the blueprint that you know if they ever do, like I said, if they ever do do a club championship, but probably, you know, they're the undisputed favourites at the moment. Oh, they would have won it this year by an absolute yeah. mile, wouldn't they? Because mm-hmm. the under 23s for line, they finish, they finish. They finished second in the league, I think, in that competition. No, they finished third, I think, in that year. But yeah. they had a great year, obviously, in that competition. They did, in your, to your point, win the MPL under-23 women's as well as the MPL women's grand final a few weeks ago. On the Saturday, they won the under-18s. Your point, Morton Bay picked up the under-23. So congratulations to Morton Bay. I, know I had to get that in just just for so, you. But absolutely. it's four out of five for 2020, 
one, as you mentioned, and also it's three out of four in the men's and the women's. So it's uh, been absolute domination since they've entered the NPL era, haven't it? Hasn't it? They've been, they have become the standard club immediately. They just come straight in from the BPL where they were also the grand final winners in the final year. So it's four out of five in actual fact in grand finals recently for them. So they've been the standard club and they're now they are the club that everyone's chasing in terms of that model, aren't they? Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's I think that's such a such a big point is that yeah, it is all about the whole the yeah, you know, the whole of club. Um no that's also and that's also having a shot at any other club. I think um I think most clubs now are starting to get the get sort of the message that it it's especially at this MPL level, it's not just a senior men, it's not just about a senior women's. Um it is about you know both programs and also as well the the they I guess uh, quote the juniors that are coming through behind them, you know, the the under eighteens and the under twenty three you know, under 19 boys, under 23 boys and girls. It's about, about that next level as well, nurturing them along. Um, some clubs are doing better than others at the moment, but um, but yeah, look, I think that they are the benchmark as far as quite a whole of club goes. Um, and and yeah, look, I think and I think it's a challenge for you know a number of the others, especially some of the powerhouse clubs, uh, to to really sort of step up and do it the, the Lions way. But uh, look, there's nothing but congratulations to them. Um, it would have been a very very uh, very, very big uh, party at the Gold Line last night. I reckon it'd be, be uh, a few sore heads listening to this, uh, this 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 show later on. I imagine that would have been going until the very early hours in the morning. Now, after the game, we caught up with the on-field captain of Lions, Sean Carlson. That's what Sean had to say after the win over Olympic FC. We're talking about the captain of Lions, Sean Carlson. Sean, 3-1 winners here in the grand final. It must be absolutely ecstatic. Congratulations. Thanks, mate. It's, it's, you know, you can't describe the feeling, you know, just a straight-up elation when the final whistle blew and the game was done and we were in front. You know, you can't really beat that feeling when you put all that effort in and you get the W. So, so you've got a couple of grand finals. But what was that game like to play? Because it seemed like it had absolutely everything. And what was it like to play in? Oh, it was, it was brilliant. You know, they are a quality side. You just, you, you know they are. You know, four, four in a row for them to make grand finals, you just know that they're consistent, they're quality. You know, they can score from anywhere. And, you know, we... You know, we just had to put in the effort and do what we could to keep them from doing that. And, you know, like, luckily enough tonight, we, we put the effort in and, and got it. You know, we, we did enough, you know, and we scored more goals than they did. So, And just finally, it's been a tough year for yourself coming back from the ACL. How great is it to be back out on the field once you're involved in big games like this? Oh, fantastic. You can't, you can't beat big matches, even if it's not even a grand final, just big matches where, you know, it's going to be a good quality game. You know, you put in a year's worth of work to get back to, to normal life and playing your sport you love and, you know, to get all the way here from only playing half a season, doing what you can to help out, you know, and, and getting a win, it just makes it all, all the work worth it and you just enjoy it. So the celebrations are beginning. Let's get both. Congratulations. Thanks for that, mate. Appreciate it. And that was the captain there of Lions. I see Sean Carlos, who, Adam, he had a different, indifferent, oh, a very interesting season, didn't he? Obviously started the year coming back from that long-term ACL injury, but when he did get back on the field, he had a massive impact in the in the second half of the year, and I know he made both our mine and your team of the year for for the NPL, didn't he? Yeah, it seems though once he came back to you know to be the general of that midfield, you know, with, with Joe Duckworth, that seemed to where Lions' fortunes turned. It's taken him all the way to grand final victories. So you know, as as a sort of captain, you know, with, especially in the absence of uh, Marty Simic for most of uh, of the sort of back end of the season through injury and whatnot. Um, yeah, he really he really stepped up as not only the general, um, you know, in midfield, but also as well uh, wearing the armband. So you know, he he had a great second half of the season. It'll be amazing to see, you know, if he's fully fit for the whole season, what Lions can do going to next going through next season. 
He had a massive impact on the grand final last night as well. And we have to move on and talk about Olympic FC. It is obviously four straight mm. grand finals that they've been to and haven't been able to get over the line. Where what can you possibly say, Adam? It's just so it's so tough, isn't it? I uh, look. I I don't know. Uh, you and I we both saw Ben Khan after after the game after the presentation, and they said uh, he he was a sh- he was shattered. Um, you, you, and you don't know what to say other than bad luck, uh, you know, sorry, you know, and all that. I know, I know that a few of the uh, the trolls out there sort of, you know, were t- having fun at uh, that his expense of a few others. Um, but look, in, irrespective, yeah, it's four grand final losses. I don't know how that how that equates to, you know, as far as you know how about his record or whatnot. But uh, look, to, to, I think it, it can't be lost that you know. They've been to four grand finals. That's an achievement in itself. Um, yeah, look, no. At the end of the day, you know, sometimes they say you don't, you don't, um, you don't remember who pl- who lost the grand final. But uh, yeah, it's one, it's one of those things for Olympic. You just say after losing four grand finals, I don't, I really don't know how. Um, how they come back from it mentally? I know, I know they'll they'll come back and obviously give it a red hot tilt next season. Though, and you can you can bet that they will keep on coming until they finally snag it. Uh, but I just think it's gonna, like I said, it's gonna be tough. You know, I guess today, you know, trying to sort of you know, quite what happened because uh, again, it's it's not like they were outplayed. They were in it until in their eyeballs that game, and uh, very very they could have very very easily won that. So it's. Yeah, I, I don't know what to say other than you know, yeah, it's it's a it's a shame that you know that they've they've lost four straight, and I guess we'll have to see how how they they bounce back next season. Will be a big story next year to see how they do bounce back. But I think you're right. I mean, it was the all was obviously very completely shattered, and I think you're right. It's been a really good four years for them in a lot of ways. It's just it's the one thing they haven't been able to do is just get that silverware to get over the line. But they've been to four straight grand finals. They've been in. I think they finished second in the league twice as well. Been to a couple of FFA Cups, had some success in that as well. So they've done a lot of really good things. It's been that one final hurdle to pick up some silverware to show for the great play that yeah. they've had. And I think last night was probably the they that's probably their best performance in all four of the grand finals for me. I think they were they were really good, particularly in the second half. They had some great chances that they just weren't able to capitalize on. And as we said, the big chance they had at one all, if that goes in, perhaps we're talking about a completely different outcome, but it was they played well enough to get something out of it, didn't they? It's not like they played poorly. They were well in the game, and it's just it's just so tough that they've fallen short for the fourth year in a row. Yeah, look, that's the thing is, it's that's you know what if moments. What if Kosovaros, you know, beats Luke Borian? I'm look, I'm not going to blame him for missing. Like I said Absolutely. again, we we give credit to, to Borian for getting down low and you know and and smothering as he always does. You know, um, like. But yeah, you but you wonder if he somehow does like say be, he gets the same purchase like the the first goal he scored. You know what happens? I I I believe Olympic run away with that. Um, and then so I said when we're talking about a very very different outcome. Uh, but uh, yeah, n- not to be and and also as well the the goal I guess that the deciding goal was an abs- would have been an absolute gut punch as well as far as you know. Yeah, no, like I said, you can't blame, you can't fault Lockie Hunter for conceding that goal or the defence, you know, from, from Alec Fechner's, you know, second goal. That, that That's the, a wonder strike, you know, that, you know, we say that big games are decided on either acts of brilliance or, or acts of madness. And that was, that was the former. And um, yeah, and that would have been so deflating. And then look, the third goal is the third goal, I'm not going to. 
Yeah, it's, it the is what it is. Start at that point, but I think you're right. They had to, had did have the best defense over the course of the year, so I think you have to give them credit for that. But I do, th- I'm not going to blame Costa either for the, for the, for the, for the finish. I think it was a really, it was a really good effort. It was just a great save from Luke to yeah. Luke to fit to save it. But any other thoughts on the game? It was a really good occasion on Saturday night, wasn't it? The Olympic fans were there in big number once again, as we expected, and it was just over three thousand there. It was a great, a really good crowd, wasn't it? I don't know. I don't know who um who makes Olympics flags. That's the most flags I've seen at a football game in a very long time. Um, yeah, that's look now. No credit to both both clubs as well. Like we, I think we sort of knew and felt that it was going to be a big occasion. Um, you know, and look, well done to everyone as well. We we shouldn't probably we'll brush over because it obviously it's uh, for another for another show another time. But um, there was a Brisbane Raw friendly that was that was moved forward to three o'clock uh, to ensure that you know there was no real crossover and everyone had the opportunity to get from Underwood Park to uh, uh, to to uh, Park de Paris uh, last night. And, uh, yeah, look, well done to everyone, uh, to Brisbane Raw and also as well to Football Queensland to making sure that, you know, maximum views because it was, it was always – well, I think we always felt that this was going to be a big game. I think, and as we said, at the start of the final series, any combination as well, and that includes potential power and Brisbane Raw Academy, it was always going to be a fitting finale. And But, yeah, the, the, the trilogy of uh, – Grand finals, but I think yeah, again, it's uh, three to lines, none to Olympic. That's the tail of the tape, unfortunately, for the Yeronga-based club. I mean, it was, and look, just finally, Adam, it, it was a, it was for me an unbelievable final, probably one of the best finals I've seen in the MPL era as far as a showpiece. Where does it rank for you? Because I think it's right up there with the um, both the Cairns more the Cairns against Redlands game, and also the Morton Bay Western Pro. I think those are the two that I looked at. I remember thinking about they were the two best that I'd see, maybe the first Olympic Lions as well. But this, to me, this is right there in that group. Um, oh, geez. I, I mean, I'm trying, uh, trying to uh, hide my, hide my bias here because I, <laughs> I also, I also rate uh, Morton Bay and Strikers 2015 uh, up there as far as, you know, for me, uh, it was one of, the, one of the one of the better games um, as well. Look, I, I think I think it's probably in the top two or three. Um, look, Morton, Morton Bay Western Pride 2000. 2017. That to me is still still the greatest final, um, grand, grand final of them all. I think that you know just the drama that that had, that game, the atmosphere at Briggs Road. That that was just something else. But uh, yeah, look, this game, this grand final was certainly up there as well. It was one of the great grand finals, no doubt about that. Well, that will do it for this of the Brisbane Football Reviews NPL Sunday Show and for season 2021. Adam, join me once again. Yeah, thanks, Scott, and thanks for everyone for listening across all our platforms. Um, look, it's been a pleasure uh, bringing bringing all the uh, sun all the uh, Sunday night uh, shows uh, to to recap MPL, and we'll do it bigger and better next season, which is probably going to start in about a couple of weeks' time. Absolutely, doing my job there, Adam. But I also would like to thank the players, coaches, and teams for their support over the 2021 season. It has been a long season. You think right back to February, our season prediction show. We've actually got those predictions here for you now, so feel free to have a laugh at those over the next few minutes. Yeah, I think it's uh, you've plenty of mocking and carrying on for the off-season. And look, <laughs> bring it on, I say. Absolutely. We're always up for a laugh here on Brisbane Football Review's MPL Sunday show, which will be back in season 2022 as well. In the meantime, there will be our regular A-League show. So if you are interested in the A-League, stay tuned for that over the summer months. Otherwise, we'll talk to you all once again shortly in 2022 on the NPL Brisbane Football Reviews NPL Sunday show. 14th Capalaba. Yep. 13th Brisbane Strikers. 12th Sunshine Coast Wanderers. Gold Coast Knights, 4th. 
Olympic third, Lions second, Power first. So 14th place, Capalabar. 13th, Brisbane Strikers. 12th, Redlands. So that, their teams are going down. And top four I've, is Morton Bay United in fourth, Lions in third, Olympic in second, and I agree that Peninsula Power, I think, will retain their premiership. I've got Strikers in 14th, Capalabar in 13th. Originally, I had Magpies Crusaders in 12th, but I do think they're going to be able to survive, which means I put Redlands in 12th. Fourth place, Gold Coast United. Third place, Lions. Two, Olympic. And look, it's hard to write off Penn Power for anything other than the Premiership at the moment. They're just looking far and away like the best side in NPL Queensland.